there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week we are sort of completing our spontaneously come up with baseball trilogy that kind of came out of nowhere in <laughs> the last two episodes we've done have been about movies that had something to do with baseball we did the warriors and then we did high school musical 2 obviously both on the same cinematic quality <laughs> antonio's gonna kill us yeah somewhere <laughs> along the line antonio just felt like <laughs> like we stabbed him i'm so sorry antonio anyway <laughs> Feel free to go back and listen to both our episode on the Warriors and our most recent episode last week about High School Musical 2 with our super fun guests, both Antonio from the Cult Worthy Podcast and Jim and Bryce from Film Rage. They're all awesome guys. But this week we we are solo, Scott and I, and we're discussing an actual baseball movie that Scott has shown me. Scott, what are we watching today? Well, we fell back down the Costner hole. Oh, God. Not not the Costner hole, girl. The, the Costner hole. <laughs> and we watched a very fun movie, Bull Durham. Released in 1988. Bull Durham may not be one of those upper echelon sports movies everybody talks about. It's not Major League. It's not Rudy. It's not Any Given Sunday. It's not Field of Dreams. But I still think it's a fun movie. <laughs> Well, okay. First of all, one of my first things on my list of notes is considered one of the best sports movies of all time. So I guess it depends who you ask. Because I, I know nothing about this movie. I knew that Costner was in it, and that's about all I knew going in, and that it was a baseball movie. Yeah, this is one of his three baseball movies. Right, right. But something else I did learn upon research is that this movie, Bull Durham, is seen to have sort of started the boom of baseball movies in the late 80s, early 90s, including Major League, Field of Dreams, which is one of the other Costner baseball movies, and uh, one of my absolute all-time favorites, A League of Their Own. So, yeah, I, I went into this movie, I gotta be honest, my expectations were a little high, maybe maybe too high, because um, you know me, I love a rom-com. But you don't like Kevin Costner. I don't like Kevin Costner, but can I tell you something hilarious? This is something that I've never said about any other Costner movie I've seen. I've only seen a handful, really. So uh, maybe I'm not the best judge, but Kevin Costner was the best part of this movie. <gasps> that is a statement I'll probably never say again. <laughs> when we recently discussed The Bodyguard, yes, uh, which was released a mere four years after this movie, we discussed quite heavily the the biggest problem I feel like people have with Kevin Costner in that he is bland as a saltless, soggy, saltine cracker. Okay? And um, it, surprisingly in this movie, he was the least bland I've ever seen him. He had like a character and he had quippy things to say and he was like hot and shit. I'm like, hello, Crash Davis, your name is ridiculous. I'm sure it's a nickname for something, but we never find out what. Like, you're looking fine today with your late 80s floppy hair. How are you today, sir? Yeah, Crash Davis is a fun character, and it allows Kevin Costner 
to be dramatic but also be energetic and funny and argumentative like it's just one of those things that allows him to do more and I think this was before Kevin Costner started buying into he's Kevin Costner yeah it's probably true I mean just to put it in context this was also two years before he did Dances with Wolves and won his Oscars for that so yeah maybe he still had you know the run of the mill average Joe flair I will say while I enjoyed Crash Davis as a character, the real underwhelming part of this movie is that all of the other characters suck. All the other characters are either annoying. No, they're all annoying. Well, the two other main characters are really just annoying and I don't care about them. Crash Davis is fine. Like the, the, the thing with the baseball movies that I like, right? Like, let's talk about the ones we just mentioned. Major League, League of Their Own, right? Yes. Obviously, League of Their Own, Gina Davis, main character, right? In Major League, Charlie Sheen, main character, right? They're both very fun characters, very cool characters for different reasons, obviously. But they're both very fun, decently rounded characters that provide a lot of entertainment and cool moments and lovely moments. However... The difference between those movies and this movie is that there are other characters in those movies also that are fun and entertaining and stimulating and endearing. You know, we got uh, fucking Wesley Snipes in Major League. We got Tom Berger in Major League. We got Kit in fucking League of Their Own. We got Madonna. Madonna, goddammit, in League of Their Own. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, of course. Well, obviously Tom Hanks. So, yeah, like, you know, you know. This doesn't have that, okay? <laughs> it just doesn't. Susan Sarandon, I love her. We're going to talk about her. But her character in this movie is so annoying. Like, I, I was surprised by how annoying she was. And somehow she was more annoying than Tim Robbins' character. And that is saying something. So far, the two Tim Robbins movies I've shown you have not gone well for Tim Robbins. Who was the other one? Oh, Howard the Duck? Well, that really didn't go wrong because of Tim Robbins. That kind of just went wrong because Howard the Duck. I don't really blame Tim Robbins for that. I only have one other Tim Robbins movie to show you. (laughs) Oh, right. Shawshank, right? Yeah, I know. I haven't seen Shawshank. Feel free to throw your virtual tomatoes at me. It's fine. I get it. But yeah, no, I'm sh- I know that's going to be good. But his character in this movie is like the biggest, most cardboard cutout of a dumbass character. Like it's so like he's just got nothing to him. Even at the end when they try to endear him like, oh, he's learned so much and now he's going to be a big baseball star. It's like, no, he's still just kind of a dope. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Listen, I didn't hate this movie, just to put it out there. I know I'm talking shit about it already. I actually liked it, but just not as much as I was hoping to. I got hyped up a little too much, I think. I get it. I definitely do understand. It's very interesting because this is supposed to be a movie of two dualities. You have Crash Davis, who is meant to be like the code of baseball and how you're supposed to play the game. And then you have Susan Sarandon, who's supposed to be kind of like this new wavy kind of trainer. She says things and she tells a grown man to breathe through his eyelids. Okay, like what? Like oh god. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. It's it's supposed to be like these two dualities, who both mean to do well to push our dumb young full of cum. 
Ew. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I love how... See, this is the kind of movie... First, I thought you were talking it up too much. I'm like, this is not a classy enough movie to use the term dualities. <laughs> Even that, it's too classy. And then you just say young and full of cum. <laughs> but you have our character in Nuke Lelouch, who is meant to be like... He doesn't understand a, a baseball, B the world. Crash puts his best. God gave him a gift and he fucking doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I I get all that, right? But you know what? I, I appreciate this movie for its funny lines and stuff. It has a lot of funny moments in there. There are a lot of problems with it, but I feel like this movie walked so League of Their Own can fly. You know what I mean? If you look at a League of Their Own and you look at Major League mm-hmm. and you look at both those movies and compare them to Bull Durham, both those movies take things from this movie and expand on it and make them better. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh, before we get into our fun facts, I just want to mention one more thing. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, we recently moved from New York where we've lived all our lives uh, to North Carolina. So we're North Carolinians now, and it's it's a lovely time to be alive. And uh, no, it actually is. We really love it here. But one cool thing about it is that obviously this movie being called Bull Durham and all, it was filmed on location in North Carolina in uh, at the end of 1987. And apparently the, the bar that was in this movie, There's the bar exists in real life. It's called Mitch's Tavern in Raleigh, and you can just go there and visit. It's kind of cool. Also, the baseball team, the Durham Bulls, are right, still up is and a real is a real thing. Um, we actually drove by the stadium not too long ago. It was kind of cool because we knew we were doing this movie, and they're like, "Oh, look!" <laughs> Years ago, when I first like heard the title of this movie and like knew it was a thing that existed, I assumed that Bull Durham was somebody's name. So I just want to say that I want to expose my own ignorance just so you know, anyone out there listening, that my opinions on this movie should be taken with a big old chunk of salt, okay? Because while I love a rom-com and while there are other sports movies that I do like, I am not an aficionado in sports things, okay? I'm very, very stupid. So if I don't like this movie, which I do, but if I shit on this movie at times or make fun of it, don't take it personal. It's just me being me, you know? You, you know what you came for. Well, you came I, for Frankie and Scott yes. talking shit about movies. That is very true. I wouldn't call you stupid. I would just say sports are not your forte. That's true. When you talk about musicals, that's your forte. Or books. That's true. I do like the book learning and the musical musicking. Those are your forte, and Scott looks very foolish during those. Well, to be fair, we just did a musical last week, and everyone looked a fool talking about that one. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> Especially when you try to defend it. But it's okay. I stand by what I said. I said what I said. And I'll say what I'll say today. Exactly. Now, this movie was written and directed by Ron Shelton, who also wrote and directed movies such as White Man Can't Jump. Great movie. Which is also on Scott's list for me to watch. And Tin Cup, which is another, what, from what I understand, another Kevin Costner sports romantic comedy Only instead of baseball, it's golf. Um, Now, Ron Shelton is a former minor league baseball player, and he actually won a WGA award for best original screenplay for this film, which I can understand to a point. 
We also have a uh, semi-pro baseball player who consulted on the film by the name of Pete Bach. He recruited players and umpires to play like the background in the movie, and he led all like the workouts and practice games and stuff. So clearly, they took the game of baseball and the the love of the game very seriously in this movie, which is something I certainly appreciate. And other movies of this time period in the baseball movie boom definitely kind of followed suit in that regard. Well, it's very funny because they haven't thought about this till just right now. But I feel like we haven't had A, a baseball movie or B, a good baseball movie come out in quite a long time. So that's true. I mean, the the last one I remember uh, that's like more recent, I guess, was 42, which we did a review on like a year or so ago, maybe. Yeah, about. And that was, yeah, that was a good movie. It is. It is a good movie. It just, I feel like baseball maybe has taken such a back burner that, and we've told so many stories with baseball that it's like, what can you do that's different? Believe it or not, Bull Durham was actually also nominated for an Oscar in the year 1989. It was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, but lost to Rain Man, which I think kind of swept in a big way that year. Rain Man was a pretty big movie in the late 80s. And it was also nominated for two Golden Globes and lost both to the movie Working Girl, including one of the awards was for Best Performance by an Actress in a comedy or musical. Obviously, Susan Sarandon was nominated, but she lost to Melanie Griffith, which is kind of funny because we'll get to it when we get to it, but there is Cass Kudovins in there, and Melanie Griffith is one of them. So uh, in her eyes, probably, it was a good decision to do Working Girl instead of this movie because it got her a Golden Globe. The budget was a measly $9 million, and it ended up making $58 million. Hey, there you go. So there you go. It obviously was very popular with a 97% critics rating and an 82% audience rating, which is going to make my opinion on the movie probably less popular than most, which is fine. I'm okay with it. Again, you're looking at it in a way that you've seen this done, but better. Yeah, I would say both in the romantic comedy world and in the baseball movie world i've seen better than this so yeah so you ready to get into the nitty-gritty dear indeed i'm ready to go okay let us go let's play ball play ball play ball play ball play ball (laughs) (laughs) touchdown so we get our opening credits when susan sarandon is narrating about the church of baseball okay so this is my immediate problem with the writing in this movie these little like monologues with fucking susan sarandon have got to go they gotta go this is why i don't like her fucking character okay first of all her name is annie she's played by susan sarandon the queen right it's right in between wishes of eastwick and thelma and louise right in the right in the golden beautiful sweet spot in her career She's beautiful and wonderful in everything she does. However, her character, Annie, is a fucking annoying... Like, I just don't like her. (laughs) She waxes poetically, both in narration and in real life, about just nonsense. And tries to connect it to baseball. In this first narration, she explains kind of her role in the movie. And it's very unclear. She tries to explain it like she's a trainer kind of sort of but then she talks about how she sleeps with multiple baseball players 
and like makes them good so it's like are you a genie like what are you i don't understand like what what is your purpose why are you making yourself sound like so high and mighty when in reality you're just like fucking different baseball players you're basically a groupie which is fine i mean if you like baseball players you go girl like go get it we love a sexually free queen but like don't make it sound like the mere presence of your pussy is improving the game of baseball well her claim is that any player she sleeps with they have the best season of their career so she has a magic pussy indeed she's very high off her own bullshit and it's like okay I just tie men to the bed and I read poetry to them and they'll do anything for me as long as they know they're going to get fucked. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> honey. <laughs> and you're like, it, it would maybe be better if throughout the movie at some point you learn more about her just underneath all the bullshit. But all we ever really learn about her is just more and more of her bullshit. Well, uh, it does mention that she basically grew up around the game of baseball um right but that's the only line she ever did she doesn't explain like her history of baseball why she loves the game so much or like i thought that was gonna i thought we were gonna have a human moment with her where she like is vulnerable for a minute and talks about like her past and why she loves the game and like but no she's just like a fuckable pretty lady throughout the whole movie that knows stuff about baseball but like there's nothing else to her i I wanted more to her to make her likable but she's not really that likable She's just pretty lady who knows about baseball and fucks different people. That's it. <laughs> like, there's nothing to hold on to. There's nothing even really there. And it, that's important for, like, a romantic comedy. As I always say with romantic films, you need what, Scott? Chemistry? That's correct. She has no chemistry with anybody, neither one of the two male leads, until Kevin Costner starts boning her. I'm getting ahead of myself. I know that, but well, clear- I was disappointed. Well, clearly she eventually had chemistry with Tim Robbins because... Well, th- yes. Okay. Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins became a real-life couple after meeting on the set of this movie, and they had a 23-year-long relationship producing two whole-ass children. So, obviously, they had some chemistry. I didn't see it in this movie, but clearly in real life they had some chemistry. I would have loved to see that on my television screen when I was watching this movie. I didn't see any of it, but that's probably because they made tim robinson's character which by the way his name is eddie lelouch which is on the top 10 list i would say of dumbest names in movies but that's why he needs a nickname well even the name the nickname is stupid nuke lelouch it kept reminding me of holes like sploosh remember sploosh Uh, oh i don't remember sploosh from holes it's the peach juice it's the stuff from oh god you fool we got to rewatch your holes now okay Anyway, I keep pushing Disney movies from like the early 2000s onto Scott. (laughs) Anyway. So she walks into the stadium and we get the atmosphere of a minor league stadium. It is nothing like the majors. It's kind of a little bit like a sideshow. You know, you get the baseball game, but you get like fireworks or a weird guy doing like a weird dance. Like that's kind of what minor league baseball is. We get introduced to Tim Robbins, who is Ebby Lelouch. Oh, is it Ebby? Yes. I, think. I thought it was Eddie. No, it's Ebby Lelouch. That's even stupider. <laughs> what the fuck? 
what the fuck is that even short for? I don't. Okay, I give up. Continue. I'm sorry, honey. (laughs) And Tim Robbins is, his pitching character is a hot shot who in this first game strikes out 18 people, walks 18 people, hits the bull five times. The the fucking uh, mascot. (laughs) Take Charlie Sheen's character from Major League and put it on steroids. Absolutely. And uh, just for context, once again, Tim Robbins, this was right in between Howard the Duck and Twister. At this point in his career, he's still like the goofy comic-y guy, which is fine. Um, Later in his career, he does more dramatic stuff. He won his supporting actor Oscar for Mystic River 15 years after this. So he's got a while until he's taken more seriously, I guess, as a, a dramatic actor. Yeah, well, as I said, they initially can't find him, and he's in the locker room fucking Millie. She is Susan Sarandon's assistant, because if I'm not mistaken, Susan Sarandon works for the newspaper, right? She writes for, like, the sports pages. That I mean, that's what I thought was happening. Because she's in, like, the front row every game and looks like in a press box situation, but I wasn't sure. I, I don't think they ever, like, fully say what she does because she Millie's father donated the scoreboard to the stadium all right so she's rich right right, so she's rich Annie has just kind of always been around the team and the team kind of takes her very seriously because she does write them notes and tells them things right to make the team better but she does mention like the newspaper she does mention the newspaper and she's always writing shit down so I just assumed if she's not that then what is she Again, how does she get front row tickets every time? What is she doing? <laughs> what does she do for a living? She has a house. She's got to pay bills. She's ha- she has to have a job other than fucking baseball players. Please don't let her just be that. Let her be a journalist. That makes it a little better. <laughs> she's got a job. Well, that's why I think she's a trainer of some sort. I don't. She's not. No one pays her. No one pays her for her training. Only in dick. Oh, God. I choose to believe she's a journalist because she has a degree. She says she went to college and got a degree in, in English composition or some shit. That's what she says. She says it in the movie. I'm choosing to believe she's a sports journalist. That will help me sleep at night. Okay. I'm glad. I'll, I'll let you have it. Thank you. I appreciate that. So we get introduced to our main lead Crash Davis. Played by Kevin Costner. And Crash is being brought in because the big league ball club wants him to teach Tim Robbins about being a baseball player. He wants him to help mature Tim Robbins. Crash doesn't really like the idea, but being an older baseball player who never really made it, he's kind of between a rock and a hard place. I wish they had kind of dug more into that, too. The fact that he did play in the majors for a hot... Because did they ever say why he got kicked out? Okay. So, what you have to understand about baseball... Oh, please mansplain to me, dear. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Mansplain to me. I need it. (laughs) Uh, What you have to understand about baseball is every so often they expand the rosters. Usually right before the playoffs and into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Or if somebody gets hurt... They bring somebody up. So at some point, whatever the big league ball club that's associated with whatever team Crash was on, 
needed the catcher for 21 days and called him up. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got and it. then when they no longer needed him, they sent him back down to the minors. Uh-huh. So he was up in the majors for 21 days. Right. And then they were like, okay, cool. Our, let's say our, our catcher's back to being healthy. You can go back to the minors. And he never got another chance. That's why Susan Sarandon brings up to him that he's 20 homers away from breaking the all-time record for home runs in the minor leagues, which it's a great accomplishment for him, but it's not like... I couldn't tell you who has minor league record for home runs. Right. Like, no one would give a shit. Yeah. That's like a personal is thing. Because there's a whole scene between him and Annie where she said, oh, that's such a great accomplishment. We should put that, like, in the paper, which is also why I feel like she works for the freaking paper. She Okay, I'll give you that one. Yeah, you're probably right then. They should put that in the paper, she says. And then he's like, oh, no, please don't. Don't. And she's like, oh, okay. Like, I, is that, I'm guessing that. I liked that scene because that kind of gave something to his character. Well, yeah, it, it's it's like. Like, I, you know, I love this game. I don't need to well, it's make a, a big thing. I don't, I'm not in it for yeah, he's not in the glory the, anymore. Well, A, it's, it's an accolade, yes. And he doesn't really care about the accolade. But right. B, it shows that he hit his ceiling. He's not a major leaguer. He will never be a major leaguer. This is where he stops. And that is it. I I did like his character the best in this movie, I gotta say. And that's, like like I said, it's something for me to say that. Because Kevin Costner is really a bland guy most of the time. And, like, again, I haven't seen all of his movies. But in the movies I've seen, you know, there hasn't been anything that I'm like, wow, that Kevin Costner, he's got an electrifying personality. But in this one, he's, like, fun and his character is endearing and stuff. He, I don't think he was the first choice to play crash we'll talk about it when we get to the cast could have but they ultimately picked him because he did play baseball in high school and he did have kind of a natural athleticism and he ended up hitting two real home runs during filming for this movie which is kind of funny and cool but he definitely took to it really well like you saw him and you you believe that he was a baseball player for sure yeah that he definitely has the look and the temperament and he is handsome as fuck in this movie. Yeah. Handsome as fuck. Like the 80s, late 80s, floppy hair, like I said. The stubble. He was, he was killing it. So Crash quickly gets into the locker room, sets himself up. He hears one of Ebby's <laughs> interviews where Ebby just keeps going. It feels out there, man, to get my first one. It just feels out there. And he's like, God damn it. This guy's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Which he is. So it's like, oh boy. Are we going to get to the bar scene? We are, yes. This oh, is the bar scene, you guys. So we get to the bar where the team, you know, has some fun. And, of course, Kevin Costner starts buying drinks for Annie. And he's just kind of chilling and talking. And he sees Ebby dancing with seven women. Oh, my God. He It felt like he was trying to be Travolta out there. Fucking swinging around Saturday Night Fever in the motherfucker out, <laughs> out of the dance floor. It was kind of weird. And then Ebby comes over there and tries to pick up Annie and Crash steps up to him and goes, dude, get the fuck out of here. She's with me. Immediately establishing the love triangle that, like, why does this exist? This is the first time Annie and Crash are meeting and they're both pretty, right? So they're going to have like a little bit of chemistry, but he's not really interested in dancing with her at all until 
Tim Robbins comes over and is like, I want to dance with you. And then Crash is like, no, you, you are another guy. You can't have this lady. She's mine. So now I want to dance. And then <laughs> Annie's like, fuck both of you. I'm going to go dance with some other guy. <laughs> Bye. And uh, then they go fight, quote unquote. They go outside to fight. Oh, yeah. They, they go out to fight. And this is great because Crash is like, you throw the first punch. And Abby's like, no, you throw the first punch. So Crash takes the baseball out of his pocket hands it to Abby goes hit me with that <laughs> that was funny he's like hit me in, if, in the chest with your baseball and then we can fight go ahead he's like it, it's so funny because he's riling Abby up he goes I bet you you can't because I've seen how you pitch you couldn't hit water if you fell out of a fucking boat <laughs> is it funny that when I when I heard that I thought of dodgeball because Rip Torn says that line he does <laughs> I was like oh Fuck you. I thought that was an original line, Riptor. <laughs> Fuck you, Dodgeball. <laughs> so Ebby gets mad, throws the ball, completely misses Crash, and breaks a window. Naturally. But then Crash is like a class act. He's like, come inside, I'll buy you a drink. <laughs> well, yeah, because then Ebby charges him and he punches, knocks him down with one punch. Yeah, like, this isn't going to work out for you, sweetie. I'm your catcher. Now get up, you idiot. <laughs> But then, okay, so this is where the movie kind of makes a hard left turn for me, right? So they go back in the bar and they're hanging out and doing their thing, right? The two of them. And then Annie comes over and she's like, okay, guys, you're going to come back to my place? And they're both looking at her like, which one of us? And she's like, both of you, you idiots. Come on. And they just, first of all, they just go (laughs) with the full understanding that like she question mark wants to have a threesome i don't know i literally turned around and looked at the sky at this point i'm like she's lighting candles and shit i'm like are they about to have a fucking threesome in this movie is this where this romantic baseball comedy is gonna go what a delightful romp this is and then the two guys are sitting on the sofa she takes a chair spins it around like she's you know fucking basic instinct and she's like listen let me lay this out for you gentlemen i fuck <laughs> I fuck a different baseball player every season and then they magically become the shit because my pussy is magical so you two are the most likely candidates to benefit from my pussy magic so which one of you wants to be the lucky candidate and can we please put on a shirt benefit from my pussy magic <laughs> which one of you would like to benefit from my pussy magic that's a bumper sticker of anything i don't know if that's classy enough for a shirt so <laughs> and then even after that we need to talk about crash's little monologue after that because he he is not about this no nuke soon to be named nuke is not even present enough in mind and he's only thinking with his penis he's like i want to fuck what, what are they talking about young dumb and full of cum right correct so he doesn't know what the fuck's going on crash is like uh, i'm gonna go because this is insanity well he gives so, he gives the speech the he, speech is like hilarious it's like whoa where, it, how do we get here well i believe in the soul the hanging curveball high fiber good scotch but the novels of susan sontag are self-indulgent overrated crap i believe lee harvey oswald acted alone i believe in the sweet spot opening your presents christmas morning rather than christmas eve and i believe in long slow deep soft wet kisses that last three days i believe this and this and this and this and i will not do this and this because i believe this and this and the kennedy assassination i was like whoa <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? How did we get here, sir? You're a little intense, aren't you? He is. <laughs> it was it was good. 
I enjoyed that because I was like, okay, I, it's like that scene is like the perfect representation of what this movie is going to be. It's a little weird and a little confusing in its romantic logic, I'll say. But Crash Davis will say funny things. Well, okay. So <laughs> that's the movie. This whole thing about his beliefs. Crash is a very educated man. I, I would place Crash around 35 years old in this movie. 35, 36. Towards the end of what would be a normal baseball career. He is the first person to ever challenge Annie because Annie's so used to most of the minor league guys, especially in single A, are these young guys. Who are dumb and full of cum, got it. Exactly. (laughs) So they have no maturity. This is the first person that she's ever come in contact with that has that maturity to be like, you're full of shit. <laughs> she kind of does lay that out when he leaves. She says like, oh, I've never had a guy reject me before. Ooh, I immediately want him, right? That's kind of like a typical trope. But also, I, I just noticed just now when you were saying that, I didn't realize that like they were actively making Tim Robbins' character like they're playing him younger. than Because Crash calls him boy all the time. He, he calls him meat. Right, but he also calls yes. him a boy. And it's like, he doesn't look like a boy compared to Kevin Costner. So just with a quick Google search, Kevin Costner was about 33 when this movie came out. And Tim Robbins was all of 30. So the idea that like Tim Robbins is supposed to be a good amount, at least younger than than Kevin Costner, it, it doesn't play at all. Well, okay. If that's the idea, well, again, that doesn't make sense. It, it, is it? Did that? Is that why they play him so stupid? Because yes. they want him to believe that. Oh my god! He's suppo- okay, he's. I think he's meant to be like early twenties. But again, you have to look at it. It's the eighties. Ages don't matter. <laughs> well, I understand that. That's certainly okay. It is the eighties. I get it. Ages, accents, none of that matters. I I get it. But the idea that Kevin Costner keeps calling Tim Robbins boy, I find that laughable. <laughs> Because they literally look the same age in this movie because, (laughs) guess what? They fucking are. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that works, sweetie. Everything's coming together now. Continue. Yes. So, Crash leaves and Annie ties Nuke to the bed because she does call him a nuclear reaction. That's where eventually he gets the name The Nuke. That's how they come up with the brilliant nickname. Oh, my God. That's not a bad nickname, but no. to, to argue that that's going to help him in his baseball career, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Because your name is Stuart. Well, he's the nuke Lelouch. Uh, Lelouch. If there's someone out there listening with the last name Lelouch, I'm very sorry. I don't mean to offend, but like that's not... It's a weird name. I mean, even even someone with that last name would have to admit it's a weird name. I think that's fair. I'm sure. I'm sure they're fine with it. I'm sure they've lived with it long enough. I'm sure they live with it. Listen, I understand the pain. I grew up with a boy's name my whole life. Do you realize how many kids in elementary school made fun of me and called me a boy? Kids can be cruel. They can. Being a girl named Frankie isn't fun. It ain't short for anything. Just so you know, my mother gave me that name. Thanks, Mom. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I actually, I've grown into it now. And she likes to brag about that name. Yes. So we don't want to offend the queen. No. But. <laughs> so Annie ties Tim Robbins to a bed and then starts to read him Walt Whitman. Oh, yes. And <laughs> Nuke's brilliant response to that is, oh, Walt Whitman, who does he play for? <laughs> exactly. I can't. <laughs> I gotta go. 
now we start getting crash giving Tim Robbins advice because he comes in with dirty sandals. He throws his sandals out and goes, get new sandals, you stupid bastard. These have fucking fungus all over them. We love some toe fungus in the morning. Crash, he preaches it to Nuke. You got to get out of your own head. You can't think too much. Baseball is a simple game. You run, you hit, you catch. That's it. But he does have Annie in his head a little bit too on occasions. Oh yeah, I mean, listen, she does know shit about baseball. I know I've been talking shit about Annie, but she does know her shit. It's just she's she's also a little fucking wackadoo with her delivery on her bullshit. Like it may it's like she's trying to make herself sound like some deep guru that like knows the magical secrets to life and to baseball when in reality she uses her pussy to get her foot in the door and like that's not the worst thing in the world if you know you are a well-rounded character that doesn't wax poetically about nonsense to make herself sound cooler well i also think a lot of times in early sports movies a woman who has the knowledge of the sport doesn't get given the same respect Oh, I totally get it. I fucking, I fucking watch League of Their Own, bitch. I get it. <laughs> so for her to use her sexual prowess. Her pussy. Her pussy. <laughs> Just say what it is. It's okay. To tell people like how to improve their game. It's just like her way of circumventing the system. Right. And she clearly loves baseball. But my problem, I think, with Annie, I know I make fun and I joke around, right? And I do want to be careful with that because I don't want it to seem like I'm slut shaming, which I kind of am in a joking manner. But in reality, I think the problem with Annie is that she's not she's not a well-rounded character. Her whole character is the fact that she fucks baseball players because she likes baseball. And the fact that she likes baseball and knows her shit about baseball does not a fully rounded character make. You know what I mean? Like she has to have some motivation for for what she's doing other than she likes baseball and we i feel like we don't get that from her i feel like most of her character sits on the shoulders of magical pussy power and i don't love that for her i feel like susan sarandon deserved a little better a little more well-rounded character development like in the realm that crash got i'm not saying it's got to be like a drama where we you know know every nook and cranny about her life but something to the effect of what crash got where we know a little nugget about her past and her connection to the game. and You know what I mean? Just I'm not, something. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it's the 80s and there aren't a lot of good representations for female characters in sports movies in the 80s. I get it. I totally get it. So even though, yeah, if you did this movie today, would Susan Sarandon's character be different? Yes. Yes. But you I ha- agree. You have to take into account it's 1988. We're not there yet. Especially for sports movies. We're definitely not there yet. Right. I I get it. I think what annoys me and frustrates me about it is that there's like the seeds of something more there that doesn't bloom. And also her narrations are really annoying. Yeah, her narrations can get a little... And lofty and pointless. And she's not even saying anything. I don't... I Ask me what she says in any of her narrations. I don't know. She has at least three in the movie, if I'm not mistaken. And none of them say anything. I think she has more than that. None of them say... And maybe I blocked some of them out. (laughs) None of them say anything. Okay. So we get to Annie and Crash go to the batting cage because Crash admits that he wants to fuck Annie. And her and Crash clearly have chemistry. 
Like, no. I, I think they do. I think. No. Yes. No, not until they start banging. But okay, I'll I'll well, go you know, with that. Well, th- again, they share the I believe scene and the bar. Yeah, I didn't feel anything in that well, scene. I'm you, sorry. You have the scene at the batting cages, mm. and then you have the scene where they are in the hotel room where she's like, "I want to," you know. That that okay, you're right. So they have four scenes before they start fucking. Well, that's I think also kind of the problem because he really doesn't know her, but when she starts dating Nuke. He becomes, like, very jealous of their relationship. Well, I think Crash and Nuke have quite a few blow-ups during this movie. Oh, yeah. That's Wait, some fun shit. In, like, the games and stuff, when they're the going game. at it, it's the best parts of the movie. But some of the most poignant moments is when he does basically say, as we said earlier, that Nuke was given a gift from the gods. He, he- turns your right arm into a thunderbolt. That was a good line. Exactly. And Crash realizes, like, if Crash was given that... He would be an all-star ten times over, but because Nuke has fucking noodles for brains, unless he listens to Crash, he'll never get to that point, and he'll have wasted his talent. So that drives Crash a little crazy. So we do get some of the little things about baseball players. They're very superstitious. One guy touches his bat with a chicken bone cross. Yeah, because he's into voodoo and stuff. And then there's this other guy that has like a slump going on. He's like, oh, just touch, touch, touch my bat with the chicken bones. Come on, man. And then we get one of two times this happens in the movie where Nuke shakes Crash off because the catcher calls the sign for what the pitcher should pitch. And he keeps shaking Crash off and Crash is like, this motherfucker is shaking me off. (laughs) And he tells the batter, fastball. You know what that reminded me of? Oddly enough, Space Jam. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I know objectively this is a better movie than Space Jam, but just go with me. In the beginning scenes when Michael Jordan's playing baseball and the catcher... It's like, curveball, don't swing. <laughs> curveball, don't swing. Oh, will you sign this for my kid? Like, it's that. <laughs> it reminded me of that. But, uh, yeah, when they're doing the games and, like, the little back and forth between Nuke and Crash in the movie are, like, the best parts of it, I think. Because that's where all, like, the best funny lines come out. He tells the guy what's coming. Nuke throws the fastball. The guy drills it out of the park. And Crash goes, wow, he hit that one a fucking country mile. <laughs> yeah, I told him you were going to pitch that. Just don't ever shake me off again. Ooh. And then the second time... He oh, does, the second time was even funnier. The second time he does it. When he looks at the ball player that's like that hit it, he before before the pitch is thrown, he looks at the guy and he's like, okay, it's, it's a fastball. And when you speak of me, speak well. <laughs> and then he puts his catcher's thing on and is like, okay, let's go. Oh, it's so funny because, yeah, he does that. And then the... First time, the guy stands in the box. He goes, I gave you a gift. Get the fuck yeah, going. What, what are you doing? Run, bitch. <laughs> it's, it's just funny just how Crash is. So Crash is defensive of Nuke, but still wants to teach him. It, it gives a very tough love vibe. And Nuke, maybe now that I realize that like he's supposed to be playing younger, maybe that's part of the reason why it just didn't fit that he's supposed to be like this dumb idiot because he looks like a grown man in his 30s and he's acting like a 20-year-old idiot <laughs> defiant of like a big brother figure because that's the vibe that you get between Crash and Nuke. So now our players are have to go on the road. They're going on the 12-game road trip. The road trip goes terribly, but the only thing we get from here is Nuke is giving a pair of Annie's garters. 
I felt like this whole sequence with them on the road trip really didn't do anything for the movie. The only thing that actually, I think even more important than Annie's garters is because when they're on the bus, that's when Crash mentions that he was in the majors for 21 days yes. or whatever. So you get that. But you didn't necessarily need the road trip to do that. No, and also you get the thing with Annie's garters, which it's just Annie gives Nuke a pair of her garters to wear. to wear on the field because it will help him with his pitching for some reason. And he doesn't want to wear them because it's ladies' things, and he doesn't want to be a queer. That's what he says in the movie. The whole it seemed like a like a weird non sequitur that whole sequence because those two things happen that are like marginally important for the plot, and then the rest of the time is just spent with the baseball players talking about girls and going to a, like a random ball field and putting the sprinklers on and running through the mud okay the purpose of doing that is a to fake a rain delay because if the field's destroyed they can't play the game anyway but they felt like they were on such a bad streak you kind of got to break the streak any way possible and it's also kind of like this is a game baseball as much as it's your profession it's still supposed to be fun again crash showing don't fucking think about it too hard that's true. I did like that aspect of it where he's like, don't think, just throw the ball. Next, we get the game that kind of breaks the streak. Oh, yeah. Well, when the guys come back from the road trip, Nuke has an impromptu like training session with Annie where Annie says one of the weirdest, most stupid things. This is what I'm talking about when I say like she's got the knowledge and she's got the seeds for like a good likable character right but then she just says things that make no sense she's like oh i need you to breathe through your eyelids like one of the lizards from the galapagos islands and i'm like what the fuck okay are you saying uh, okay so lady <laughs> hello <laughs> well okay what annie's trying to do she's trying to almost do the same thing as crash here think about anything else but throwing the baseball that didn't come across as much in Annie's scene. It just came across like nonsense. Well, that's, again, two very different ways of trying to do the same thing. They're both trying to teach Nuke that the game is very simple. You do simple things. You don't think about it. Things go better. So then now they go on the winning streak. They have so many great little fucking moments on the field. Like Crash goes to Nuke and goes, okay, I know you're pitching great. Throw it at the bull mascot. Oh, this one was funny. <laughs> oh, this one was so good. He's like, trust me, throw it at the mascot. Okay, okay, go. And Nuke throws it at the mascot. And the hitter goes... This guy's crazy. Yep. I wouldn't dig in there if I was you. Next one might be at your head. I don't know where it's going to go. Oh, yeah, he's crazy. I don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> I don't know where this next pitch is going to go. <laughs> Who could say... This, again, leads to a winning streak. And the big point of the winning streak is... He, he hasn't fucked Annie in a while, so he's like, oh, I'm winning because I'm not fucking. <laughs> so I'm just going to keep going. But, um, you know, while, while we're up on this winning streak, I feel like now is the perfect time, Scott. Yes. The perfect time to get into one of our favorite segments of Shoot the Flick... The, the cast could have been. been. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Come right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kitties, bring your wife. Yeah, that's right. I know the Mets song. I'm a Met fan. What are you going to do about it? Anyway, 
let's talk about our cast could have been for our three main characters. All right, we're going to start off with, let's go with Nuke. Let's talk about good old Nuke. Lelouch. There was a particular actor that was pushed by the studio, but Ron Shelton insisted on Tim Robbins, even threatening to quit the movie if they didn't allow him to do the role. Who was this magical mystery actor that the studio was pushing for? Anthony Michael Hall, which I think for the purposes of age in the movie, like doing the appropriate age and probably the appropriate looking dynamic, it probably would have looked better. It would have, but I think he might have been too baby-faced at the time. I don't think so, because Anthony Michael Hall, 85 was Breakfast Club, so he couldn't look that much different than he did in Breakfast Club. And he looks really young in Breakfast Club. He looks like a teenager, which in this, when they were filming this movie, he would have been 19, 20 years old, so. Now, who do you got for our other two? For Annie, we have some interesting cast could have been. Like I said before, we had Melanie Griffith, who ended up winning a Golden Globe for her role in Working Girl. Kelly McGillis, who was in Top Gun two years before this movie. We had Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Kim Basinger. Yeah. Glenn Close. Yeah. And last but not least, Dottie herself, Gina Davis. All of them work like literally all of them work and i don't think any of them would have been better or worse than susan sarandon i think they're all really talented leading ladies yeah i don't think susan sarandon's the problem i think she does her best to bring something great out of this character who maybe wasn't written amazingly yeah so who do you got for uh crash davis well first we have uh i think the first choice for crash who actually turned down the role and that is a Mr. Jeff Bridges, who I think would have given a very similar energy to Kevin Costner in this role. I think I can see him as a baseball player. But there were some other names in there, i.e. Alec Baldwin, eh. Tom Berenger, also from uh, Major League. Major League. Uh, we got Harrison Ford. Okay, We yeah. could have had Han and Leia in this movie. Nah, that would have been funny. Richard Gere. Okay. Mel Gibson. Tommy okay. Lee Jones. Okay. Michael Keaton. Okay. Christopher Lambert from Highlander. That would have been fucking weird. <laughs> I just had to put that in here because I love Highlander, but that would have been so weird. <laughs> and then last but not least, I'm including these last two cast could have been as a pair because I feel like in every late 80s early 90s movie when I talk about Cass Kudamans and there's a male lead character there's always these two guys in the ring for some fucking reason Sly Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger of course <laughs> like because they're no <laughs> no no I'm just picturing both of them in a baseball uniform and it's not doing it for me yeah neither of those would have worked and that was the Cass, Cass Kudamans so now we are moving through our winning streak. Yes. While we're up, we we like to stay up, winning. except if we're having sex with Annie, in which case we want to keep it down. <laughs> oh, yes. But yes, during the winning streak, we do get uh, Put Me In Coach, which is a typical like baseball kind of song. Oh, it's, yeah. I've uh, heard that song multiple times in like sports movies in general. Yeah. Put me in coach. Nuke is still not sleeping with Annie. Oh, my God. It, it, she is so thirsty. She calls her pussy the Bermuda Triangle. No. And I'm like, girl. <laughs> no, Kevin Costner calls her pussy the Bermuda Triangle because men go in there and, and get... And don't come out. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
we get lost. You're right. You're right. You're right. Oh, God. I, like, lost it at that one. I'm like, oh, the scandal of it all. And then, oh, my God, Tim Robbins makes the biggest mistake. Annie says to Nuke, she says, don't you think I'm pretty? And Nuke goes, I, I think you're cute. I think you're real cute. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> you don't say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> you're talking to Susan Sarandon, bitch. You take that back. She ain't cute. Uh-huh. She gorgeous. Uh-huh. She hot. She is hot in this movie. I she gotta is say. very hot. And she's super hot. W- when she's really coming on to Tim Robbins, man, that. But yeah, no, for some inexplicable, dumb 20-year-old reason. Is he supposed to be 20? Did they ever say how old he is? I, he's There's early no tw- way he's supposed to be 20. He's I know I'm stuck on this, but... <laughs> he's early 20s, yes. That's insanity. Okay. So, Nuke is like, okay, I'm going to go. I'll be back here when we lose. Bye. Well, we cut to the next game, hmm. and Nuke's father is there. Oh, yes, yes. This nu- is this is like the best baseball game scene, I think, in the movie. This is like the funniest one. And Crash comes to the mound and starts talking to him. They're having a long talk about his father being there he's, and he's like your father's just the fucking other person don't fucking worry about him and then other people start coming because earlier on in this day we find out that millie basically after five hours got engaged to the religious guy oh yeah there's a religious player on the team which they introduced kind of early on in the movie and my first instinct was because they were basically making fun of him for having like prayer services during like practices and stuff i almost said rehearsals that's how much of a fucking idiot i am <laughs> you're a kid <laughs> i know i know i know but anyway um yeah so i thought he was gonna be like a punching bag throughout the whole movie but it turns out not i was actually pleasantly surprised they like genuinely love this guy and like he ends up getting engaged to millie who by the way just to remind is susan sarandon's assistant kind of who was also fucking nuke in the beginning of the movie and apparently fucks a lot of the baseball players too so they're getting married and then multiple players come to the mountain and like we're kind of stressed out guys we don't we don't know what to get (laughs) millie and this guy for their wedding what do we get them for a wedding present and then the voodoo guy comes up and goes God, my ex-girlfriend put a fucking hex on my glove. I need a live rooster. I need to cut off the head of a live rooster to save the fucking glove from being cursed. I'm like, what is happening? And then finally the coach sends out the assistant coach. He goes, what the hell is going on, guys? Well, Nuke's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove, and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. That about right? That's right. We're yeah. dealing with a lot of shit. Guy goes, well, okay. Candlesticks. <laughs> candlesticks are a good <laughs> wedding present. Are they, though? By the way, candlesticks are not a great wedding present. I don't know. I mean, maybe they were in 1988. But in 2022, I would say no to the candlesticks. This also leads to, eventually, there's a fro home. Crash grabs the ball, tags the guy. The ump calls the guy safe. Crash gets in the ump's face. Great. I feel like every baseball movie needs that scene. Yeah. Where they're yelling at the ump. And Crash is yelling at him and finally walks away and goes, that was a cocksucking call. And the guy goes, did you just call me a cocksucker? I call it a cocksucking call. He goes, what, you dare me to call you a cocksucker? I dare you to call me a cocksucker. And he gets up in his face and goes, cocksucker. (laughs) Like whisper yelling in his face. That was great. He froze him out of the game. Oh, everything. We love that for him. So they lose the game very badly. But what comes out of this is 
Nuke can now go sleep with Annie. And right as he's about to be like, yeah, let's have sex. He gets a call from the majors. He's being called up to the major league. So he's all happy and excited. He's got to go find Crash. Crash is in a pool hall, very drunk and very upset. And drinking his troubles away. Nuke punches Crash in the face because Crash is an idiot. Crash's response is, did you hit me with your left hand or your right hand? (laughs) Nuke goes, my left. Good. Don't hit me with your pitching hand. It's why Crash Davis is such a fun character because he does have this dynamic with Nuke and stuff and being this like older guard who doesn't want to give up the game, but he knows eventually Father Time wins out and he's going to be out of the game sooner. Oh, babe, so deep. It is a common sports cliche. At one point, Crash is telling Nuke all these random sports cliches. Oh, yeah, I have to do an interview. That was funny. Just just memorize this. I just want to help the team win. Like all, yeah, all the write, sports write cliches this dumb you shit down hear. So you can say it to interviewers and sound like a decent human. And he's like, but this is all stupid bullshit. And Crash is like, I know, just write it down. <laughs> so Nuke goes to the majors. He says goodbye to Annie, to which Annie. is like sweet. It, it's really in that moment where like where he's saying goodbye to Annie and like being nice to her. Not that he wasn't nice to her before, but kind of like, you know, closing that chapter of his life, so to speak, with her that he is seen as like, oh, maybe he's matured a little bit. Huh? Maybe he's grown up. And it's like it's a flimsy <laughs> It it's is. a flimsy leg to stand on, but we're going to go with this nice saccharine moment, I guess, and well, say goodbye to Nuke. Bye, buddy. Well, even Crash comes to him and goes, hey, man, I- I'm sorry about last night. Yeah, he did. That he- was nice. Here's my last thing. Fear and arrogance is the way to survive in the majors. Crash gets a call from the manager. And the manager goes, hey, Crash, um, now that Nuke's going to the majors, uh, they're calling up this young whippersnapper of a catcher and uh we're gonna let you go i did also like how kevin costner played like the reaction to it you can kind of just see everything on his face when it happens and a good thing that happens i think is like the manager of the team kind of plans to see in his head like i I think you got a real future in baseball as a manager and i was like oh okay 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 maybe that's how the movie's gonna end with him being a manager that's what I, i i hoped anyway yeah i think he i think he would end up being a manager probably the next season so Crash goes out and walks to Annie's house, and they fuck each other's brains out. They this is the real point where like they have chemistry, cause I mean you know all this talk in this movie about fucking and pussy and Bermuda triangles. You would hope that like a genuine love scene in this movie can deliver, and it does. I mean, let's be fair. It's it's a hot string of love scenes back to back to back because they they fuck like all throughout the day and night (laughs) and you know they they do the job that they are there to do and at the end of it crash while annie's asleep writes her a note that was sad i didn't like that i was like well no don't just leave well he he felt like he had one more thing to accomplish in his head he wanted to finish out the season. He wanted to finish out the season and hit his 247th home run to break the minor league record. And uh, he does it. Yeah. And then he walks back to Annie's house after the season in the rain. He sits on her porch. He's like, hey, girl, I missed you. 
<laughs> and she's like, I missed you too. And he, I'm done with all those silly boys. Please come back and live with me. <laughs> I don't want to think about baseball, and I don't want to think about quantum physics, and I don't want to think about nothing. I just, I just want to be. It was nice. It was a nice way to end it. And we do also have a scene where we see Nuke in the majors feeding the exact lines that Crash gave him to the reporter. Looking oddly more idiotic than he did earlier in the movie. He's got like gelled hair and a terrible suit on. I'm like, what are you doing? What what have they done to you over there, Nuke? But um, yeah, I like how they end the movie with Crash and Annie kind of just being together and enjoying each other and they end with the credits rolling over footage of them dancing together and it was very cute and that's bull durham that's bull durham i still think this is a fun movie it might not be the best baseball movie but it's a fun movie that i think led to better movies and i think you can see a lot of the dna Yes. In other movies. I agree. Also, Crash Davis is great. Crash Davis is great. If nothing else, this movie gave me hope that Kevin Costner can actually be charming in a movie, which is an incredible uh, realization for me. I'm very thrilled about that. So what did, what do you have the movie rated, Frankie? Uh, I was kind of stuck between similarly to The Warriors between a 3 and a 3.5. I ended up sticking to three uh i enjoyed parts of the movie and didn't enjoy other parts of the movie i feel like two out of the three main characters were giving me too many issues to bump up my score higher but it was really funny at parts and it it has a lot of potential for other great baseball movies to come so i gave it a three out of five i have it as a four out of five Uh, again I understand where you're coming from. A lot of it doesn't bother me like it bothered you. But I have fun with this movie. I again That's fair. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you're like insane for giving it a 4 cuz there is a lot of good to this movie and you obviously have a prior like connection to it. And again, it's a sports movie, so you're more inclined to think on it more favorably than me, I guess, too. So, what's next, Frankie? Oh my goodness, Scotty, next week we will be returning to yet another Marvel movie. Yay! Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever, whatever a spider, spider can. <laughs> I almost said whatever a spider pig does. Because Do, I'm in yes. 2008 or whatever the fucking Simpsons movie came out. Oh, God, that was forever ago. <laughs> uh, anyway, until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm... Crash Davis. No. No. I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our spidery, webby movie adventure. <laughs> swing, bada, bada, swing. Ah, because you're swinging the bat and also swinging from the spider webs, you, you clever dog. Put me in.